Do you struggle with self-control when it comes to your online behavior? If so, Plucky might be the filter you need. With Plucky, you decide ahead of time which sites are safe for you, and then Plucky locks in your settings to keep you from self-sabotaging in a moment of temptation. It's a self-control filter that helps your long-term intentions win out over your short-term compulsions. Take courage, take control, get Plucky. To learn more, visit PluckyFilter.com. That's Plucky, P-L-U-C-K-Y, Filter.com. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Today's guest is Shelly Martinkus, speaker, author, group facilitator, coach, and founder of Redemptive Living for Women. She is passionate about helping women heal from sexual betrayal by affirming them, helping them find their voice, and empowering them to go after what they want and need, all the while connecting to God, themselves, and to others. In this episode, Shelley shares some of her story and provides personal and ministry insights for wives facing betrayal, such as why a wife's healing matters, how to take first steps, and something called liminal space. If you're a wife seeking a message of hope and practical ideas for healing from betrayal, listen in. To learn more about Shelley and the resources she provides, visit rlforwomen.com. For more resources, visit bebroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Shelly. All right. Well, Shelly Martinkus, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so it's it's really kind of a, a joy and an excitement for me to have you on the program because, you know, Many, many years ago, um, your husband and I crossed paths because of our work with Every Man's Battle. And so uh, we're, we're just talking off air. That's probably been 13 or 14 years ago that that happened. And so it's been really neat to see um, y'all's life, your marriage, your ministry, the things that have just happened over those years. And um, I, I'm so excited to have you on to be able to talk specifically about the ministry that you're doing for women who are facing sexual betrayal trauma. Can you just tell us uh, a little bit of your own story and how you got into this particular space of ministry helping women? Yeah, you bet. Well, it's I never wanted it to be my story, first of all, and I think probably a lot of your listeners can relate to that. Um, and so Jason and I have been in recovery for about 18 years now. Uh, and I confronted him. I was, we were young, 26 years old. And I just, um, suspected for, for quite a few years that something wasn't quite right. And, and finally kind of gathered enough evidence and confronted Jason. And, um, little did I know that he, he was an addict. He was a sex Mm -hmm. addict. And back then in, the early 2000s, that wasn't even something I had ever heard of. I literally was like, are you making this up? You know, I just had never even heard that term. Um, and so anyhow, we we started in our recovery. And initially, I, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to stay married. I just, I didn't know. Um, I just was like, man, I don't know that I signed up for life with a man with sexual integrity issues, a sexual addiction. Um, and so for quite a while, I kind of, I, I 
kept one foot out the door and and really was watching Jason and waiting to see was he going to allow God to to truly change him from the inside out and it was probably Jason always likes to joke if he were sitting right here with us he'd be like yeah I would tell him I'd be like you don't forget you know early on in the process I haven't decided if I'm staying or going you know I would tell him that um and I, I obviously I did choose to stay and, um, and it was hard. It was hard for me mm-hmm. to make that call. We did not have children. I know for a lot of women, they, this all comes to light after they've, they've had children with this man and invested a lot of years into that life. And that wasn't my story. Um, that, that wasn't the case. We didn't have children and I was the breadwinner. And so I just... Uh, it was a hard decision for me to make, and yet I, I truly saw um, I saw that Jason was changing. He was so sincere and so humble, and I realized this is John. One of the things that that really, you know, for me was pivotal. I was like, you know what? I didn't do all this work with him for us to then divorce and someone else to benefit from, you know, all of the, all of the hard work. So anyhow, so we're, so we're 18 years in and I would say early on in, um, in the process, Jason pretty quickly knew that he wanted to help other men. Mm. I, on the other hand, I was like, no, thank you. I, I don't want to be the poster child for this. I'm not, I mean, I, not that I don't have a heart for women, but I just was like, no, I am fine over here. You go, you do that. I will support you. And it truly was, it was a, it was a number of years where God just kept pushing on my heart to, and softening my heart to, to kind of shift gears and, and to, um, serve women in this way. Um, but I, I definitely was kicking and screaming getting here. So it's been about, I would say, I don't know, about 13 years, um, that I have been helping women. And that initially started with, um, me facilitating support groups for women. And it's just kind of evolved from there. Um, I now also do one-to-one coaching with women and I do some speaking and teach master classes. Um, but, uh, again, it, it started more so with the group support and that's really my heartbeat is to, to help women connect via groups. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now, before we dive into one particular thing that I wanted to kind of focus on that you actually brought to our, our wives care team last month, um, is just how important is it that that women uh, who have faced sexual betrayal in their marriage get help regardless of what their husband is doing in his own recovery? Is that important that a wife get help or is it only important if there's going to be restoration for the marriage or a certain outcome is expected in terms of the relationship? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think it's incredibly important for every woman, regardless of if her marriage makes it or not, or if he's doing recovery work or not, for her to get the help and for her to heal, because this is such a severe trauma and such a severe um, and overwhelming pain 
that we go through as women. Um, it's incredibly important for, for ourselves, for our children, for our families, you know, just for our future to get that help. And it's an interesting question that you pose. I'm wondering if you run into the same thing I do. Oftentimes I feel like women are very reticent to get that help. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's partly the shame uh, that, that we experience, it is, it is still so, it is so hard to bring this out into the light, um, with our, with our friends. I talk to women every day. I feel like that say, or email with them that, that say, I have not told anyone at all. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think that makes it really hard. And and it's almost like these women, they convince themselves, nope, I don't really, I don't need the help. Let's just get him the help. And then we'll be but it's incredibly important for her. And I and we do see that a lot. I think I think sometimes the the subtle expectation is that if if a because this is from a wife's perspective his problem, you know, I mean, hey, I didn't ask for this like you said. I didn't ask for this. I didn't you know, he's the one that was doing all these things. There's almost this idea that that well then because it's his problem, he's the only one that needs to get help. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leaves a woman then uh, realizing in a very sometimes stark and profound way, oh my goodness, there's there's things that are happening in me that are just wild and crazy and painful and maybe even bringing things up from my history that I didn't even know were still there. And so uh, at what point do you think it's... Um, what would you say to the women out there that maybe they're in that space right now where, hey, they're willing to like privately listen to a podcast, <laughs> but they mm-hmm. haven't talked to anybody about this, but they're starting to resonate a little bit with what you said in your own story of like, I wasn't really sure if I want to stay in this. I don't really know if I want to deal with this. I don't want to talk about this. What would you say to her um, in terms of that next step to try to begin to enter some kind of healing help? Mm-hmm. Well, as you're talking, one thing, I don't know that I'm going to directly answer your question, but as you were talking, I was like, you know, I think you're right because he's the one with the issue. It makes sense that she's like, no, you just go take care of yourself. And if I, if I, as the wife, I'm like, oh, I need some help. Does that mean that that I'm a part of the problem. Mm. And I wonder if some women, like it almost feels like they're, they're signing up for that, for that label. And that is not the case at all. And that was a huge hump for me to work through. I was convinced thanks to Jason's manipulation and gaslighting that it was my fault. Mm. Okay. Whenever we started in recovery and, and so again, I think for, I, I would say one of the first steps is for women to truly, um, to conceptualize and to let it sink in that this is not your fault. And this is not because you weren't sexy enough or pretty enough or smart enough or fill in the blank, whatever it might be. This is not your fault. And asking for help and seeking help is not saying, yeah, this is my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it, in fact, it's saying, you know what? This this hurts so much that that I need to be in community. And I would say for women healing from betrayal trauma, one of the best things they can do 
is, is be in a community that is safe, most important, that it is a safe space for them to process. Just doing that will put them on that road toward healing. Mm -hmm. But it's scary because it feels like they're opening up a can of worms and oh my goodness, what all is going to come out? It's so scary. And I get it. Yeah, I think one of the best images that I was given to to help understand what you're talking about, about being able to um, detach her own pain from being some kind of cause of, mm-hmm. of his issues, mm-hmm. is to imagine if you're in your car and you're going through an intersection and you get T-boned. The reality is, is that wreck was not your fault, but you have to deal with the repercussions of the the wounds and the and the hurt and the broken bones or whatever that occurred in you. As a result of someone else's, you know, issue. And, um, and if you were to just ignore the fact that you've got a broken femur or something, it's like, well, you, that's not good for you, regardless of the fact that it was not your fault that that wreck occurred in your life. So Mm -hmm. you, you came, um, uh, you really encouraged our ladies that are part of our wives care ministry. Um, we have a touch point gathering that the ladies do each month and, um, you came and shared and and you shared something that you called liminal space. You were talking about liminal space. Can you help us understand what does what is liminal space and why is that important for women to understand who are seeking to heal from sexual betrayal? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, liminal space, kind of the way I conceptualize it, it's this, it's a sacred space. It's kind of the in-between. It's, it's between what was and what's next. And I think the word picture I used uh, in December with the gals was it's almost like you're um, a trapeze artist and you're hanging from, um, from a hoop. And it's that, it's that space where you are, you let go with one hand and you're about to grab onto the next hoop. And yet that, and that's, and then you're, and then you let go with your other hand and you're reaching out to grab onto with your other hand onto the next hoop. It's that space in there. It's a very scary space because we're not, we really don't know what's coming next. And especially for women in this process, security and safety is really, really important. But a lot of what we do in this process is we enter into that liminal space where we're having to wait. We're really not sure what's next. And, and it's, um, but again, it's, it's a sacred space because it's transformational. I believe in that liminal space is where actually a lot of the character growth occurs for women. And, and, and liminal space isn't just for women in the betrayal process for all of us, you know, it's, right. it's part of our sanctification, but, but it is where, um, where a lot of character growth occurs. Um, uh, just a lot of healing can occur in that space. And I think it's important just simply to name it um, without naming it. Sometimes women can really feel like they're dangling from one of those, you know, hoops in the circus. And so again, naming it is, is super important. And so that's kind of what I, what I talked about, um, to your gals. So what are some of the key elements, um, 
that are some things that that women can focus on within that space that will really help them continue to keep moving. Because one of the things I'm hearing you say that that could be potentially, you know, dangerous or harmful in in that space is to like freeze up, to either be paralyzed with fear or whatever. And then the imagery you're using, it's like, well, then you're going to hit the floor, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. it seems to me like part of what you're saying is even though there's this really sacred space, there's still movement in it, right? You're still moving from one thing to the next. So what's really key for a woman to be focusing on within that space in order for her to continue moving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So I think first is to be able to name that that's what you're experiencing. It, you're, you're in the thick of a weight. You're, you're transitioning from what was to, to what is, is to come again, just naming it is important. And then going a little deeper than that is, is naming exactly what in your process right now is, uh, how, how can I say this right now in your process, what are you experiencing that is liminal space? So for instance, it could be that, you know, you're wondering, is he going to live with integrity or not? And you're kind of waiting to see, is he going to choose recovery or is he going to choose his addiction? But so, so yes, name the liminal space, but then name even a little bit deeper and more specifically, what specifically in your process are you waiting on? So I think those two things are important. And then from there, do you want me to give you a couple more? Sure. Okay. From there, I think it's really important back to community um, to, to almost like develop your board is, is the way I described it to de develop your community, the, the women that you want to partner with that are going to support you while you're moving through this liminal space to name who they are and, and to ask them like, Hey, I need your support as I go through this part of my process. I need you to be praying for me. I need encouragement. I need you to help me see my blind spots, things like that. So I think that's important as well. Um, and, and kind of in tandem with that is really working at connecting with God, self, and others. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously connecting with others, you're doing that by developing your board working on self-intimacy and, and just being able to, um, to name the emotions you're experiencing. Self-compassion comes in right there. I think that's a really important part of the liminal space. And then also working on connecting with God to see you through. Yeah, that's really good. Now, I, I know that, um, you know, in my own experience with with my wife and and our story that we've gone through, and then also just being in the space of ministry for a long time and and dealing with a lot of women, especially a lot of women that maybe have had a a church background or have maybe grown up in the faith. Um, sometimes there is a real confusion between what is selfish and what is self care. Can you mm -hmm. help? some of those women who maybe have a struggle with that to feel like if I'm, if I'm going to do anything for myself, it's automatically selfish. Can you help a woman understand the difference so that she can actually understand what you're talking about when you're talking about self intimacy or self care that's needed as part of this liminal space? Mm -hmm, right. And the self compassion and all of that. 
you know, that, that takes me back to something you were saying earlier when, you know, when we were talking about women, sometimes it's really hard for them to reach out and, and to ask for help. I think part of the reason with the women that we specifically are helping, part of the reason that's hard is oftentimes when they realize they need help because of dis- discovery or disclosure, they're a shell of themselves. They are, because of the acting in behaviors, the gaslighting, whatever you want to call that, they, they're second guessing themselves at every turn. They, they, they can't trust their intuition. And, and so they really, you know, they're not sure, they don't even know how to take up some space. And so I think that that's another reason that it's really, really hard for these women to ask for help. Okay. So now going back to your question regarding self-care and is that selfish or is that something that that is okay for me to do. I see the two in tandem as far as like, I think because a lot of these women, they feel like a shell of themselves. They can't trust their intuition. They, they've been, you know, there's been so much manipulation and lying, et cetera, that has just beaten them down. It, they really, they truly believe that if they take time for themselves, that is wrong. That is inherently wrong. And so I think kind of off the cuff, just for women to, number one, if if they resonate with like, yeah, I do feel like a shell of myself. I do feel like I don't have a voice. Um, It's important to work toward reclaiming that, reclaiming the voice, the intuition. And a lot of that is done through self-care. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's self-care. I really see it as a means toward finding yourself again. It's not selfish. It's actually a lifeline in order to get you back to you, a better you, in fact. I yeah. know I went all over the place with answering your question. but No, that's good. And I think it's important to hear because it, it is easy to slip into that mindset. Because, again, the world's crashing in, right? And... and um and I think sometimes it's important for a woman here in that state of being that, first of all, what she's feeling is real and it's valid and it's okay. And then some of the, the very real needs that she has for self-care are also valid and good and necessary in that space. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you'd also agree that doesn't mean that there can't be um, poor self-management that occurs in that. I mean, we see it all the time. Wives just, they really taking terrible care of themselves and they're, you know, not getting good sleep and they're overeating and they're not eating or they're, you know, there's a lot of these types of things. And so I think it isn't, sometimes that allows for those conversations to be able to say, Hey, actually, do you see that you're being self-destructive here? And when you actually need to be self-caring. Um, so, Talk a little bit about the the reality that, you know, you, you talked kind of about this movement. You're in this in-between space. Um, how important is it for a, a woman to realize what's happening in this space? And how can she kind of have some markers that she's making positive movement? Are there any things that she can be looking for that say, hey, these are some markers that I'm, I'm actually moving in the right direction or I'm making progress? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That's such a good question. Um, 
I think because liminal space, again, it's transformational. It is, it is meant to, it's not, you know, it's not designed to punish us, although we might feel that way. You know, it's, it's not designed just to be, for us to be stuck in fear or anxiety. It's truly designed to, to transform us, to move us forward. And so I think when it comes to markers, one of the biggest things to be looking for is, is to check in with yourself, like, okay, is that, do I see this transforming me in Mm -hmm. any way? You know, and, and are there any, is, do I see character growth as I'm moving through this time? And so I would say, and I'm thinking again off the cuff, but for me early on in my story, um, you know, I, I saw some transformation, for instance, with me taking full responsibility for Jason's choices and a shift from that to, oh, time out. I, I'm going to hold my beach ball. I'm going to hold my hula hoop. And, and actually in that hula hoop, his choices, I'm not going to be responsible for. I'm going to, I'm going to toss them out of my hula hoop. And so that's, that's just an example, if you will, of that transformational process I went through of being able to surrender, taking responsibility for his choices. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and obviously this is also, while there's a, there's a movement aspect to it, right? It's not as if a wife is just completely passive during this time. She's doing things like we talked about, self-care, and she's making decisions of boundaries and some of those types of things. But also, let's, let's be honest, there's also a waiting that is occurring here, right? And I'm not talking just about a waiting for whatever her spouse may do. Isn't there also a waiting that's far more important, and that is a waiting on whatever God is choosing to do in her life? Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's important to have a waiting and an anticipatory posture towards whatever God wants to do in the liminal space? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, you know, waiting is a spiritual discipline. It's mm-hmm. something that that we're called to to cultivate in our lives and especially in our culture today waiting is not something that a lot of us um, it's not a muscle that we've really strengthened you know in our lives today with everything being so like on the spot um but in Psalm 40 and this is David talking he talks about waiting patiently for the Lord Um, And it says, he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. And the word rock there actually means fortress, any place of exceptional security. If you look back at the word wait at the beginning of, again, Psalm 40, verse 1, the the Hebrew word is kavah is I think how it's pronounced. And and it means to expect. And it's actually, it's literally this straining of our mind in a certain direction with, with an expectant posture. And I think that's what that's really what God calls us to is 
it's not waiting as in just propping our, my feet up on the desk and like, well, looking at my watch, like, okay, anytime now, come on, God. But actually this, you know, uh, this, and it reminds me of uh, the, the little book of Habakkuk toward the end of the Old Testament where he climbs up into the watchtower and, and it's looking out and, and actually expecting something to change. That is the sort of posture that, that we're called to have. And what's really cool about when we're in this posture of waiting, it actually is meant to draw us closer to God. And again, going back to the book of Habakkuk, the prophet, um, his name actually, it, it means, part of his name means being drawn closer to God because he was waiting to see what God was going to do about the injustices around him. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Shelley. Um, where can uh, ladies find out more about just resources that you have and in, in your ministry and your story? Um, where can they go to get some help from you? Yeah. So my website is RL, L as in, I don't know, living, RL4women, F-O-R-women.com. Um, might be easier to find me on Instagram. I'm at Shelly underscore Martinkus. Maybe you can put that in the show notes because that's a mouthful for sure. Um, So those would probably be the two best places to find me. Yeah, and we will definitely put all of those links in the show notes. But, um, you know, thank you for what you are doing to try to create those safe places for women to be able to tell their story, um, start to get help and experience some of that liminal space. Um, any, any last words of encouragement that you would just have for any wives out there, wherever they may be on their journey of healing? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, there's so much that I would love to say. But more than anything, I just want for the women listening right now to know that they are worthy of healing. Mm-hmm. And, and it is possible to heal. And so I just, I want to encourage women to take that next little step, reach out to Be Broken. Um, I know you guys have an amazing team, Gigi Hopkins, and and I know other people as well. Um, But it's, there is, I thought that this was going to be the death of me. I thought that, and, and, and I was young, I was 26 and I was like, this has ruined my life. But the reality is this has refined me Mm. in in ways that only the Lord could do. And so that is my encouragement for women listening um, to take that next little step, because this does not have to be a a game changer for the worse for you. It can actually, um, it can completely change your life for the better. Yeah. That's great. Well, Shelly, thanks again for uh, being with us today and for, for what you're doing to, to help women in this space. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to be here. Well, listeners, we're going to put all that information in the show notes so that you can connect with uh, Shelly and their resources. But we are so glad that you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.